Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
That pretty much says it all. Would America be best served as a Marxist country, a socialist country, a communist country? Should we adopt communist, socialist principles, autocrat uh, principles, uh, communist, Marxist state? Are we done? Are we done with capitalism? Should we just simply abandon it? It's not working for us, according to some. There are too few of us who have too little and so many more of us who have so much more. But it's all relevant, isn't it? When you think about it, I sit in a room right now in the dead of winter, pretty much sweating like a sow. Number one, I've had far too much espresso, and I've got enough electronics in this room to to uh, I guess to run a run a c- couple of small businesses. I've got a lot of computer screens here in front of me right now. I'm only using three of them. One, two, three. Is that too much? Do I have too much? Or perhaps there's a a richer person who uh, has 12 screens. What's too much? And am I being ostentatious by... Sitting in a room with so many computers and computer screens where there are little boys and girls who have none. Is it fair? Is it fair that I'm pretty much using a couple of the computers in the other room as clocks and MP3, giant MP3 players? Some of this junk in here is paperweight that I have taken to pawning off giving away computers to complete strangers. Is it is it too much? Do I have too much? Should I feel bad about it? Should I feel bad about it? Should a Southern Sense in the chat room feel bad about it? Says she bounces between four computers. A couple of those computers could go to some needy child. We are a country of excess. I watched a a Sandra Bullock movie some years ago called The Net. And while watching The Net, I sat at my table with a tiny little 13-inch computer screen. And in the movie, Sandra Bullock had four computer screens, big screens, working away. And I got, I got I, I, there was an epiphany. I said, why, why don't I have some more screens here? Why don't I get some more computer screens like Sandra Bullock in the net? That's pretty much how it all started. So I decided I was going to play the Muppet Kermit the Frog's Rainbow Connection for a couple of reasons. Number one, I first heard Kermit sing that song when I was about seven years old. Seven years old. That's how old Kermit is singing that tune. On Sesame Street, before the movies and all that. And 
the second reason why is because that's what everybody's looking for, their rainbow connection. They're all looking for their pot of gold. But today, so few people really want to work for it. They don't really want to earn it. That's too hard. They want these things given to them. You owe me. You greedy one percenters, you owe me. You've manipulated me. You've taken advantage of me. So now you owe me. I want what you have, and I don't really need to work for it. Take a listen to the man, Sharpton. Now, Sharpton is just another self-proclaimed high and holy reverend of the black community who uses equal justice as his charlatan religion to shake down anyone and everyone for the money while reserving it for himself. He's a con artist, a rap sheet as long as your arm. Jesus said that the poor you will have with you always. God said the rich and the poor meet together because God is the maker of them both. Under the Constitution, everyone has the same rights. It's not a right to have anything unless you earn it. Explain to me why a worker bee has to share his honey with the non-workers. Is it explainable? Worker bees feed their families. They don't feed any other bees. Human nature. So, dude, if you want to share... Go ahead. You could feed and clothe a few non-working layabouts all you want, Mr. Sharpton. But that's how it works. They want you to do the work. They want you to share your wealth while they keep theirs for themselves. Take a listen. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Oh, and by the way... Today's date, December 6th, 2011, beautiful Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia, United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Take a listen to Sharpton. The dream is to make everything equal. In everybody's house. And though the struggle for social justice and the struggle for right is over, don't realize that the struggle is not over until we achieve equality. Someone was saying to me the other day, Reverend Shopper, we got an African American president, we've achieved the dream of Dr. King. And I told him that was not Dr. King's dream. A great man. I'm working with the president and supporting the president. But the dream was not to put one black family in 
at the White House. The dream was to make everything equal in everybody's house. President Obama being in the White House can help us get there. But we're not there yet. Now, is Sharpton right? Is he right? And what did he mean by let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt right now? Green giant. We know nature gives us the most nutritious after we stop that commercial. Let's give him Al Sharpton the benefit of the doubt right now. Does he mean making everything equal in everybody's house? Does he mean equal rights? Does he mean equal opportunity? Or does he mean everything equal in everybody's house? Does he? Because we have equal rights. That battle has been fought and it has been won. So what does he mean by everything equal in everybody's house? Yeah, Dr. King, it has been shown, had some socialist leanings. But I believe that even Dr. King wanted to keep what he earned and to dispense it as he saw fit, as opposed to the government confiscating his wealth and distributing it for him. So the question remains. Like the rest of the nation, the rest of this great nation, I'm following the Republican candidates it's each, as each begins to shape their campaign for the presidency. For the election in 2012, and each gives us their views on the variety of issues, the economy, jobs, the crash of the housing market, and now the loss of our AAA rating. At the S&P, the candidates in the media all go back and forth about whether taxes should be increased or decreased. They all discuss which budget should be cut. And decisions run the spectrum from everything is on the table to redoing Medicare, Social Security, and of course, defense spending. And I don't disagree that these issues... Or that, or that, that these issues are that, that they can't be ignored. I mean, they cannot be ignored. None of them, even defense. There are issues that we hear about twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week. One would be hard pressed not to know these problems exist, and that they have a tremendous impact on all Americans. But you know what? I believe, I believe that there is an issue. Even more important, that's been completely ignored as we begin to make our way into the stretch for the upcoming 2012 presidential race. And that is, why are Republicans and the media refusing to discuss the main issue facing all Americans? And that is, do we want our republic our Republican form of government to continue to exist? Or do we want to live in a 
socialist, communist state run by a dictator or whatever type of leadership system the progressives plan to set up in America, along with the second alternative. Do we want to give up our national sovereignty as the United Nations and many of its members want? Do we want to be ruled under one world government? Are we willing, are you willing to give up our Second Amendment right to bear arms? Are you willing to give up your right to private property ownership? Are you willing to let the government censor your speech or the media? Are you willing to give up God? Are you willing to give up your independence and allow the government to take care of you with respect to health care, welfare of your child, how much money you can work for? Are you willing to give up your life dream, all of your dreams, and settle for a mundane existence in life where everyone pretty much has the same, everything, same job, same home, education, a lack of aspirations, lack of hope, loss of personal achievement, loss of personal freedoms for the collective? Maybe, maybe you are, but I'm not. So tell me, why are our politicians, the Republicans, and those Democrats who are not progressives, i.e. socialist, communist, Marxist, afraid to put those issues out in the open for debate? Why? Ask yourselves, why? It's a legitimate question. Melinda writes in the chat room, Michelle Hussein Obama wore a $25,000 gown to the Kennedy event last night. The question I would ask is, well, was the dress on loan? Let's be fair. A lot of a lot of actors and actresses they wear clothing by designers and the designer either gives them the clothes, loans them the clothing, the jewelry, and all that's required is that they mention the name of the designer. And often they get to keep the clothing, certainly not the jewelry. Or did Mrs. Obama pay for this $25,000 gown out of her own pocket? Or did she use funds from other places? I think none of that matters. Because I think what Melinda in the chat room is attempting to convey is that the Obamas are telling us all that we must join in and buy into shared sacrifice. Shared sacrifice. We all must sacrifice something for the common good. So then Mrs. Obama 
should simply be wearing a regular dress. Maybe something off the rack. Maybe a designer dress. Something that uh, your girlfriend, your wife might wear. Three, four hundred dollars splurge on a nice dress. Show the American people that you that you put your money where your mouth is. That you are willing to buy in yourself into the shared sacrifice. The call in number is 347-884-8500. Shared sacrifice. The Obama's vacation. More in the three years they've been in office than you or I have so far our whole lives. I don't know that for sure, but I recommend, I suggest that the average American vacations once or twice a year, and certainly nothing as elaborate as a vacation at Martha's Vineyard or Hawaii or Milan or France or some other place. Because let's face it, when the first lady goes out with her husband to a variety of countries, taking mother-in-law with him, and all the children. It's pretty much a vacation as far as I'm concerned. So when the president is considering another 17-day vacation, even though we all know that the president is never really on vacation, it sends the wrong message to those of us who vacation maybe once a year. But what I really want to talk about in just a couple of minutes is capitalism. Do we want to remain a capitalist country? Or will America convert or become communist? That's the important thing. That's what I think we should really be concerned about right now. Because when Barack Hussein Obama suggests that he wants to fundamentally transform the United States of America. We really want to know what that means. Don't we? Because it seems to me, well, he never really explained what he wants to fundamentally transform the United States of America into. We'll take a quick break. We'll come right back. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Yeah, we're waiting for this promo to kick in. Oh, those darn glitches. Don't you love them? Okay, well, oh, there we go. Boom. Excellence in Broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. Mr. President of the United States. You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time. 10% unemployment. 
No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative, Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy. Joe was misunderstood. So crack open a good book, sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr. President, the one we weren't waiting for. Please join the hit squad of dynamic radio hosts on Internet Talk Radio. Starting at 8 p.m., listen to The Situation Report with Dr. C. Robert Jones of Gojo Media. Doc Jones is a retired Marine officer and holds a Ph.D. in history. Come check out his show weeknights from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. From there, stay on board with the 2020 Network. Alternating between G-Ski Rocks and his show, Live and Direct, and David Graham of Stay Mad Radio. Taking you to bedtime with wit and wisdom and class and clarity. Join this nightly tea party family and bring your friends. Monday through Thursday, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time. What to do, 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 do on Friday. Well, keep your internet radio routine with Tesla's great show, Socialism is Not an Option. The Roundtable Roundup Edition, where you can call in and vent your frustrations from the week. It's an open line discussion where other radio hosts and listeners call in and let us know what's on their mind every Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern. All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Who comes up with these really cool, professional-sounding promos? What guy does that? Don't you ever ask yourselves, where does these fine promos come from? The guy who produces these promos must be so talented. I mean, the guy has to be the Paul Shanklin of Blog Talk Radio promos. Wow. Wow. Man, I, I just wish the anonymous individual who produces these fine promos would come to the forefront, would 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 announce himself. Perhaps he's perhaps he's a bit shy. Perhaps he he'd like to stay in the background. Perhaps he simply wants to contribute any way he can without you know, without overexposing himself or exposing himself at all. Let's hope he doesn't expose himself. But uh, these promos are fantastic. They're fantastic. I mean, did you hear that? Oh, man. All right. So, <laughs> let me tell you something right here and now. We're going to talk about Capitalism versus socialism. Now, I asked the question earlier in the broadcast, do you want to move away? Do you want America to move away from the system we have in place right here and now? Do you think, do you believe that America would be better served under communist, communism, socialism, or Marxism, or a combination of all three? Right now, let's get a quick lesson 
in the three, the top three, the three common myths of capitalism. That's right. The three common myths of capitalism. I want to play them right here now. The world, a huge fraction of the improvements in standard of living have come because private businesses have created new products, have given people jobs, have generated profits that raise people out of poverty and allow them to live fruitful and productive lives with reasonable standards of living. We can have much more of that and it will have beneficial effects around the world if we step back from the excessive regulation and have a much more capitalistic system. My name is Jeff Myron, and I'm Director of Undergraduate Studies in the Department of Economics at Harvard University. I want to talk about three myths about capitalism. The first is that being pro-capitalism is the same as being pro-business. Nothing could be farther from the truth. The point of capitalism is to make sure that businesses have to compete vigorously against each other, and that benefits consumers. It's not good for the businesses per se, because they have to work really hard. So many businesses understand this, and they hate capitalism. They're constantly trying to get government to erect various rules, restrictions, regulations uh, that help them, but they're not in the interest of the consumers. So pro-capitalism is good for consumers. That's whom we're ultimately trying to help. A second myth is that capitalism generates an unfair distribution of income. What true capitalism does is rewards people who are productive, people who work a lot of hours, people who have a lot of talent, people who come up with good ideas, they get big rewards under capitalism, and people who don't do those sorts of things get less. The one negative one might be concerned about is that some people have very little skill. They are not able to earn very much left on their own, and so very reasonable people support some anti-poverty spending. But that's completely different than interfering with capitalism, regulating prices, limiting quantities, imposing all sorts of things on businesses. Those make the economy less productive, give us a smaller pie, and make it even harder for us to operate programs which help that help those who are less fortunate and because they were unlucky. The third myth is that capitalism was responsible for the recent financial crisis and the recession. That again is almost exactly the opposite of what is true. First of all, nobody who's being intellectually honest thinks that we had unbridled serious capitalism before the crisis hit, before the subprime buildup occurred, before we had all the housing problem. We had enormous government interventions that subsidized risk, enormous government interventions that encouraged an overinvestment housing. If one's going to try to draw any conclusions, it seems to suggest much more clearly that interfering with capitalism generates financial crises, generates recessions, because what we experienced was directly related to the incentives for excessive risk-taking, the incentives for overinvestment in housing that were created by government. The private sector responded to those incentives, so of course the private sector can't be completely absolved of being involved, but in the sense of causing, it was the bad policies that caused it, not what the private sector or capitalism did on its own. Most importantly, whenever governments bail out people who took excessive risk, they encourage people to do more of that in the future, and we unfortunately went a huge way in that direction via the TARP and via all the Federal Reserve policies, which helped Wall Street and the risk takers not have to pay the true price for all the excessive risk taking they engaged in. All right. So there we have it. Now that we've gotten that out of the way and that, that lesson has, it has sunk in for just a moment, do you believe it's true? I do. But here's my question once again. Is it worth it? Would we all just be all so much better off 
if we simply all shared in the pie, if we all got out and tended the the fields, worked in the factories, produced the refrigerators and the cars and the lawnmowers, all of us and our children, wouldn't they better be better served in a government school? Wouldn't we all look great wearing gray? Gray, gray trousers, gray shirts, gray t-shirts, gray gray undies. Wouldn't we all look great in a 1957 Ford Fairlane? Were they made in 57? I don't know. But wouldn't we all look great in a Yugo? Or one of those damn smart cars. Wouldn't we wouldn't we all be better served if everything was equal in everybody's house? Peas are the same pod. Communism is only an extreme form of socialism. And we know now that our president is a socialist. The specter of communism is haunting Europe right now. This is the famous opening line. A specter is haunting Europe. The specter of communism. This is the famous line from the manifesto of the Communist Party written by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels, written in 1848. This sentence could perhaps be paraphrased today. A specter is haunting America. The specter of socialism. Is communism dead? That's my question. I've been asking it for the last 40 minutes. Is communism dead here in America? Talking about communism is similar to talking about socialism. Because communism is only an extreme form of socialism. After the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1990, many thought communism was dead and could be relegated to the dustbin of history. But is communism really dead? It's it's very difficult to, to support the assertion there are those of us who hold that neither socialism nor communism have died. In fact, although the political power of communism and socialism has declined, it is undeniable that its central aspect is now at a peak. One one need look no further than the Occupy Wall Street movement. The congressmen, the socialist congressmen and senators we have walking the very halls. Where's our where's our McCarthy when we need one? Do you remember a time hearing about a time back in the 50s when socialism and communism were the enemy of all America? In fact, they were so afraid of communism taking a foothold in America, that there were witch hunts. And a lot of people labeled communists unfairly 
And even those who were communists were treated, in my mind, unfairly and wronged. But now it seems to be hip to be square. It's hip to be communist. It's hip to be socialist. 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 It's hip. It's the cool thing to be. There are two cool things to be now in the 21st century that were taboo just 40, 50 years ago. One is being gay. Two, being a communist or a socialist. If you're either of those or both, you're in with the in crowd. Melinda writes in the chat room, remember when Michelle Obama was saying tax credits for the poor allow people to buy diamond earrings? <laughs> she said that when campaigning in Detroit. What a poor person would want with some diamond earrings, I'll never know. I think you might want to put a little food on the table. <sighs> much more importantly, much more importantly than much more important than the political expansion of communism, socialism, is that it's spreading. Spreading of ideas and customs that are leading the world to abandon the natural order and Christian civilization. Such ideas and customs can be seen everywhere in the campaigns in favor of abortion, euthanasia, same-sex marriage, and other moral aberrations. I read somewhere today, no, I read on the Fox Nation today and in the Drudge Report that President Obama is considering over-the-counter abortion pills on your store shelves. Ask yourselves this question. Why would the President of the United States be involved in these things? Why would the President of the United States of America, this great country, get involved in the abortion issue? Why would he be so interested in abortion on demand? Less people? Or a woman's right to choose? What does it matter? Now, I know when you read a headline like Obama wants to put abortion pills on your store shelves or words to that effect, it's not like he's actually come out and said that. It's you know pretty much his administration that's saying that they want to go ahead and do these things, and he'll pretty much give them a wink and a nod, and he'll go ahead and do them. But here we go. Why? What is – what are these people so afraid of? Ask yourself this question as well. This war on Christmas, and I believe it is. There is a war on Christmas. When a school principal says that he's calling a Christmas tree a holiday tree… So as to not offend those who may not believe in Christmas or may be of other religious faiths, why isn't that principle equally concerned with offending Christians and those who do believe in Christmas? 
and Santa. Have you ever asked yourself that question? If these liberals are so afraid of offending someone, why aren't they afraid of offending Christians? Why aren't they afraid of offending believers? They don't care. The answer is they don't give a damn. Because it's really not about offending anyone. It's about control. If you believe in a higher power, if you believe in God, then that's, there's no room for the state. Because the state wants to be your God. The state wants to be your savior. And turning to God or is getting in the way. Think about this for a moment. Just just one moment. Well, we're going to call it a holiday tree. Or we're not going to use the word Christmas. Because we don't want to offend anyone. So we'd rather be neutral. Or we want to be neutral religion. There's no religion. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. Neutral. No God. And what does communism teach teach us? What is what what does communism teach us? God is dead. There is no God. One of the first things that occurred during the Soviet Russian Revolution was the destruction of Bibles and religion. Why was that the case? The state needed to be God. The state needed to be supreme. Now, earlier in our blog talk shows, both me and Tesla, Tesla and I, did shows asking the question, is Barack Hussein Obama the Antichrist? We were just asking the question, tongue-in-cheek, because it was going around. You know, it was the end thing to do. But we don't really believe, at least I speak for myself, that he's the Antichrist. But what we do believe is he is behaving very much Antichrist-like. Abortion on demand. Covering up religious symbols any and everywhere he gives a speech where religious symbols might be. Take my alma mater, for example. Georgetown University. Shortly after Obama was elected president, he gave a speech at Georgetown. He gave a speech in a hall where religious symbols abound. Georgetown is a religious school. It was demanded that if Obama were to give a speech in Georgetown University, in that hall, that all religious symbols be covered and that no religion should be portrayed anywhere where he was speaking. Why? Why? Isn't this something out of the Left Behind series? 
Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins left behind. And this idea of abortion on demand, where if Sasha or Malia were to become pregnant, he didn't he wouldn't want them to be punished with a baby. Punished. Is that what it's all about now? Punished? And what about this issue that Melissa, Melinda brings up in the chat room? People clinging to religion and guns. Let me ask you this question. Does Obama want communism? Does he want our country to sink to the depths of communism and socialism or so, or socialism? <laughs> Obama is the devil. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. That that sounds like a line from the waterboard. So, much let, let's take a theoretical approach here. Uh, somebody could ask, well, it, 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 more importantly than than the political expansion of communism. Is the spreading of ideas and customs that are leading the world to abandon the natural order of Christian civilization valid? Somebody could ask, well, what do these moral issues have to do with socialism? Moral issues such as abortion. The answer can be given on two levels. That of doctrine and that of fact. The theoretical approach would be the answer to this question is that pride and unbridled sensuality break down intellectual and moral bar barriers that preserve the order established by God in the universe, thus opening the gates for progressive socialism, Marxism, communism, Conversely, socialism favors these same unrestrained evil tendencies of fallen man, masking them under the facade of pseudo-philosophical and pseudo-science. Take, for example, if you will, Nike commercials back in the 80s. Just do it. Just do it. If you feel a certain way, do what you feel. It's all about how you feel. Do what comes naturally. We're being bombarded with the idea that we should do whatever we feel. However we feel. We're being brainwashed into believing that thinking, that restraint... That modesty is dead, and we should all now behave and act according to our feelings. In other words, everything that favors immorality on the one hand, or the revolt against 
any inequity on the other fosters the advancement of socialism. Conversely, socialism favors the same the same unrestrained, unbridled well Melinda in the chat room writes it's true. He wants us to be poor, but he wants his princess daughters to be successful. You heard him say that about his daughters in the San Francisco fundraiser. He said that, and words to the effect that his daughters will succeed even if America does not. I read that over the course of the last weekend. His daughters will succeed even if America doesn't. Melinda brought this up in the chat room. Chat room. Yeah, I read that, and I was aghast. Now, will Republicans and will Republican presidential candidates seize upon that? Put that in a campaign slogan. Obama's daughters will succeed, even if America doesn't. According to what Barack Obama believes is the success of America. Now let's look at the facts. It's no coincidence that upon coming to power, socialist parties try to implement the homosexual agenda, promote or facilitate abortion, impose stringent hate crime laws or advance other politically correct causes. We see it happening every day in the news. Fox News, fair and balanced. Isn't that what's happening here every single day? Socialism provides a sort of a philosophical systemization and political support for the breakdown of intellectual and moral barriers that preserve the order established by God. Just do it. Just do it. Do what you feel. If it feels good, do it. Don't think. Don't hesitate. Moral virtue is so passe. It's so 1950s. Morals be damned. Just do it. Just do the damn thing. Enjoy yourselves. Life is good. It's all about doing whatever you want. Have a good time. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call in number is 347-884-8500. All you got to do is just do 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 what you want to do. Ronald Reagan on capitalism. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Here are three radio commentaries from 1976 that express these themes. They are titled Socialism, Soviet Visas, and America's Strengths. I guess all of us have had the experience of getting into a discussion and coming up with the right answer two hours later when we're all alone. I'll be right back. My award for someone who thought of the right answer while the discussion was still going on is a young man named Brad Lanaweaver, 
a member of Young Americans for Freedom at Pennsylvania State University. He has written of an encounter on the campus with a pretty young lady who believes socialism is the answer to our problems. His own philosophy was self-evident because he was wearing a button that proclaimed, Cut down big government. With the cool breeze stirring her hair, she asked what Brad described as her ace-up-the-sleeve question. Even you right-wingers don't want to starve. Wouldn't you like a guarantee that you won't ever go hungry? Brad knew that if he admitted to this, she'd follow with, so why not such a guarantee for shelter, medicine, and all the rest? He paused, and then gave her the victory she was seeking, or so she thought. He said, sure, I'd like to lay my hands on everything I can get. Oh, she said, but the state is the closest you can come to such a guarantee. Brad described her as braced for a counterattack involving the magic of the market mechanism, but he threw another curve. Sure, he said, I grant that. There's something more. I'd like a guarantee of shelter and medical treatment and even some recreation. She must have thought she had a convert. A little shocked, she spoke, but that's what we support. Why are you wearing that button? She meant, of course, that cut-down big government button. Brad wasn't finished. He said to her, I would also like a yacht. Somewhat defeated, she answered, well, if you're not going to be serious about it. But I am, Brad said, as earnestly as he could. I would really and truly like a yacht. Also a seaside villa. Look, she said sternly, you know what I'm talking about, sharing. I'm not interested in your greedy daydreams. I'm asking what everyone should have. All right, Brad answered, I understand. Let everyone have a yacht. But how, she asked lucidly with the first sign of a rational thought. Don't bother me with that, he said. There'll be a way, I'm sure, just so everyone has a yacht. However, there is one more thing I would like. What, she asked. Two yachts. Brad wrote that she looked rather unpleasant at that point, and he feared for his safety. Then she declared, it's people like you who keep socialism from working. And Brad agreed. Yes, quite right. Perhaps if people like me were put away somewhere, socialism would have a chance. By now she was really glaring as she tried to think of an answer. Brad continued, but there's still one problem. How many are there like me? Well, not as many as you think, she said, and walked away. And then Brad came up with a really appropriate last line. He wrote, there she's wrong, and that's why she's a socialist. All right, he is. Socialists ignore the side of man that is of the spirit. They can provide shelter, fill your belly with bacon and beans, treat you when you're ill, all the things that are guaranteed to a prisoner or a slave. They don't understand that we also dream. Yes, even of sometime owning a yacht. This is Ronald Reagan. Thanks for listening. Exactly. That's exactly right. This is what they want. This is what they want. Everybody Everything equal in everybody's house. Everything equal in everybody's house. Except in their houses, as Melinda and 2020 put it in the chat room. You know, the leaders of the Politburo, they live like kings. And even our own president, the president of the United States, who makes barely enough money to live the way he lives. The president of the United States lives like a king. Think about it. He flies around on Air Force One. 
the most modernized, most technologically advanced aircraft in the whole wide world with every single comfort you can think of. He eats the finest foods. He drives around in the most expensive, finest vehicles. He wears the nicest clothes. His children have the finest educations. He lives like a virtual king. He's the president. Does he deserve all of that? Well, of course not. Think about this. President Lincoln, whom he models himself after, took a bath once or twice a week. Had didn't at at his time barely had indoor plumbing. In fact, did not. Read by gaslight. The Oval Office hadn't even been put into place at the time of Lincoln's presidency. So many presidents lived like virtual paupers in the White House. Why is it these days our president lives so lavishly, both Democrat and Republican? I don't discriminate in this sense. Our presidents live like virtual kings, making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. When I was a kid, the president, when I knew that the president made money, I'm talking about uh, Gerald Ford, uh, Richard Nixon. They made somewhere in the area of $150,000, $200,000 a year, which was a lot of money back then. Yes, it was. How much do they make now? And back then, they paid for their own food, their own clothing, and that sort of thing. Now, the president lives like kings. They live like virtual emperors in the White House. They are treated like royalty. Why? They are citizens serving this country. They deserve some perks, I suppose. I got a, you know, an education from the government. It wasn't free. We have less than one minute remaining. I'm running along. I'd just like to say, God bless America. God bless everyone who tuned in. And remind you that tomorrow is the big day for me. I'm having all four of my wisdom teeth removed. All four. I'll be out of commission for the next few days, but David Graham and my main man 2020 will be filling in for me the rest of the week. Please tune in and listen to those guys. They are fantastic. And they put on a great show. And David's laugh is infectious. You'll just you'll laugh just because he's laughing even though he's not saying anything funny. Yeah. All four of my wisdom teeth put me to sleep. Thank you all for listening. God bless you and God bless America. I'll be listening in tomorrow night in my own show. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening. All the teeth coming out. Uh, Beach Bomb says it's no big deal. Okay, Beach. I'll be back with those teeth tomorrow. I told the guy he need to give me those teeth. I'm taking them home. <laughs> Good night, guys. When you walk through the garden, you gotta watch your back. Well, I beg your pardon. Walk the straight and narrow track. If you walk with Jesus, he's gonna save your soul. 
Keep the devil way down 
Jesus' mighty sword And they'll shield you with their wings Keep you close to the Lord Don't pay heed to temptation For his hands are so cold You gotta help me keep the devil Way down in the hole Down in the hole Keep the devil 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.